0: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, These are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking.
1: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This episode marks our 100th episode, and we couldn't be more thankful for all the support that we've gotten. For the 100th episode, I welcome Aaron Perlett to the show. Before we get to this week's episode of the ST Leaders Podcast, I want to thank my sponsors over the last two years, specifically Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Enterprise Bank & Trust, GoBrand Go, Edward Jones, and the Tom James Company. And now, to this week's episode... Of the STL Leaders Podcast. Aaron Perlett, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today.
0: Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Well, we got connected through LinkedIn. We had a a very nice breakfast uh, a few weeks back and really enjoyed our conversation. And I was excited to kind of get you on the show and um, pretty exciting. You are my 100th episode. Um, So I've been doing this since I guess it was June of 2020. So two years now. Um, And I've had 100 episodes and you're number 100. So
0: congratulations. Wow, I was I was honored to be on, and then I realized there's 99 people that went before me. So maybe I'll change my uh, my perspective on that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great milestone. You know, I do a music podcast, so that's uh, that's a lot of energy and a lot of work, and I don't think most people understand just how much effort it really takes.
1: Yeah, you know, I my dad and I have talked about you know how long am I going to keep doing this podcast, and he loves it because he gets to hear you know new stories every week about people here in St. Louis that he normally wouldn't get to talk to or meet and. I said, you know, Dad. I said, as as my role and my company starts to grow, and my family is now two kids. I said, my time is gets more limited, more limited, more limited. And I said, so I don't know how long I'm going to keep going. He says, no, you got to keep doing. It. You got to keep doing. It. And I'm like, you just don't understand the work that goes into this. But, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. It's fun for now, and as long as I can get te- can continue to do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling. So Great. I uh, I appreciate you coming on today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it
1: absolutely so let's i always kind of start with my guests talking about how they got to st louis a lot of them my guests either were born or raised here in st louis and then we always ask the question of what high school did you go to but i know that wasn't the case for you so talk to us about growing up and your path to st louis
0: yeah i uh i grew up in the east coast um right near washington dc my father uh, worked for the government which is what brings most people to washington dc It's a pretty transient area um my wife and I both met after college in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. I had gone to school there, and she moved, moved to Richmond afterwards. Um, and we began kind of this epic tale of moving around from city to city uh, over about a 10-year period. But ultimately, I was working for an energy company in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was recruited to St. Louis by Fleischman Hillard, uh, which is one of the largest public relations firms in the in the world at the time. Uh, they recruited me here, and that was uh, almost exactly 17 years ago. So I've been here for 17 years.
1: Absolutely. And so talk to me about, so you came in your St. Louis for Fleischman Hillard, and then when did you start Elasticity, and kind of talk to us a little bit about what you guys do.
0: So I worked at Fleischman for about three and a half years, but um, I'd say within about two years in there, I realized that, uh, and this is, this is not a criticism of FH, but it's more just uh, I had different interests in terms of where I thought the industry was going. And Fleischman, which is a great company and does great work, they had their perspective on where the industry was going. And I was also looking for something that was uh, entirely different on a cultural level. Um, and so I met two other guys that I worked with at Fleischman, um, and we developed kind of a, a, a conjoined worldview and uh, about where we thought uh, marketing, advertising, public relations was going. And um, we took about a year or so to kind of build the foundation for what that company would be, and then started shopping and trying to find um, financial backing, and ultimately did, and then got it off the ground on uh, January 1, 2009.
1: Wow. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the organization and or what you guys do.
0: Sure. So um, basically, Elasticity helps companies uh, of all shapes and sizes, from well funded startups to Fortune 500. Companies uh, connect with audiences and really kind of help their brand live, breathe, and engage with the audiences they need to reach to try to typically enact get them to do something, to take some action. So that could be buy a service or product. It could be like Best Buy. And you know, we work for Best Buy. We help them uh, with video gaming. We do that the same thing with Atari today. Um, we did the same thing with HR Block, but then we also work with. Um, public entities. Uh, we do a lot of economic development work and have worked with uh, the St. Louis region, Metro Denver region, um, Champaign-Urbana, uh, helping them attract businesses, um, more of a B2B thing, trying to simply engage growth and uh, engage more venture capital investment in some of those startup companies. Um, and then we work with, uh, we've done a lot of work with education institutions, helping them shape their brand, connect with audiences, um, you know, grow uh number of students that go to your university. So um, really we're trying to, you know, help some types of some semblance of an organization, find whatever audience they need to reach and then engage with them.
1: Awesome. So that's pretty neat. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you had this idea to start the business back in 2009, which you said January 1st, 2009, there had to be a lot of challenges to get the business off the ground. And as you were telling me, the, telling me about the date you started the company, I'm thinking back to 2009 and what was going on from an economic perspective back in 2008, 2009. How did that impact getting the organization off the ground and really kind of, you know, those first couple of years, what were some of the big challenges the organization faced that you guys had to overcome?
0: Yeah, it was a, it was actually kind of a frightening time. And the three of us all had really good paying jobs, senior level jobs, uh, you know, working with amazing clients. And um, so it was, uh, you know, it was um, a bit of a gamble but we really believed in our vision our vision was that, um, technology was, was dramatically reshaping how consumers and audiences engage with information where they find their information, how they want to engage with different companies online. Um, it, it just, you know, totally changing the shape of how brands are marketed, um, whether it's a B2B brand or a B2C brand. Um, and so there's three of us and we, um, We started off um, as a subsidiary of an agriculture-oriented agency, Um, and they basically had us engage with some of their clients on a digital level because they felt like that we had better digital chops than they did, Um, and they felt like they could learn from us. And at the same time, we were building our own organic audiences or organic clients as well, people like um, uh, formerly Charter, now Spectrum, um, and some other companies who so were working with Monsanto and Spectrum right out of the gate. Um, and it was it was really trying to look at the new landscape that we're all very accustomed to today. I mean, I think this podcast is actually evidence of it um, as a information medium that really didn't exist, say, 15, 20 years ago, right? Um, but we were helping organizations kind of wrap their head around this and engage with new audiences uh, in what was then non-traditional ways, but also in traditional ways. And what we found was the best tact to take was that we our name elasticity is about the flexibility that you need to have in today's marketplace. It's not about the organization. It's about the audience you're trying to reach. And your audience might have a very traditional uh, or your audiences might have a traditional means of connecting with companies. And so if they are, then we should be using billboards or radio or something like that. And right. if they're only using mobile phones or social media technologies, then we can use that. And simply it was about taking an agnostic approach to nurturing a brand.
1: Gotcha. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I you know, back in the 2008, 2009 it had to be a scary time, but obviously it sounds That's like a, your, yeah. your, your vision and you, you know, obviously you mentioned, you already worked on kind of building that vision for a year before you kind of, you know, okay. launched the organization. So obviously um, what I hear out of that is make sure you have a good plan in place before you go out to kind of, kind of start a business.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had a business plan, but honestly, the first thing we did was we built kind of a culture treatise. We felt like um, culture needed to come first, that a good company in today's environment started with a culture, uh, a culture that was nurturing, a culture that was flexible, a culture that said to um, an employee, hey, you know, we care about you. We want you to feel comfortable working here. We want to create an environment where you feel comfortable. Even though at the time it was just the three founders, we were thinking through, you know, as we grow, what kind of employees do we want to have? We want to have digital, digital thinking employees, we want to have employees that are digital natives. And so we thought about the mentality of, you know, the modern workforce and tried to build something that was focused on culture. Um, And that was the first thing we had. And then of course we did have a traditional business plan, but um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like any startup, and we were a startup uh, almost fourteen years ago. Um, we had our, you know, we we took our lumps. You know, we we one of the interesting things about starting a business in St. Louis is that uh, if you're not a well-known brand to St. Louisans, it's it's difficult. Um, we've had actually greater success starting in uh, different cities like Denver, where we had a much more welcome reception um, because. People who live in Denver, most of them weren't born in, in a Colorado hospital. And so yeah. it's a completely different mentality. Um, so, you know, getting the business off the ground, we started in our backyard it was, it was challenging. And then, you know, you have some lean first couple of years. In our first two, three years, they were a little lean. But then once we kind of started getting traction, um, we've been really, really fortunate and had um, some very good luck and, um, you know, had a pretty good ride. And we've continued some pretty steady growth of the past. You know, I guess it would be last 12 years or so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Pretty remarkable story. You know, one thing I found interesting about you when we had breakfast was that you you faced a personal challenge um that kind of intermingled with the business. Um you comfortable talking about that with us today? Yeah, of course. So talk to me a little bit about kind of um when when you recognize that and kind of what what, you, what steps you took to change kind of change that in your life.
0: Yeah, well there's there's actually been a couple of them. So uh <laughs> um I, you know, I will say the first, the first challenge I dealt with was uh, something that a lot of our kids have, and that is, um, I noticed, uh, probably about 16, 15 years ago that I wasn't completing tasks and, um, you know, I've always been kind of all over the place and anybody that knows me or works with me knows that. Um, and they, 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 uh, find it, some people find it charming. Some people find it really annoying, but it was basically just kind of ADHD, um, and since I've been medicated, uh, I've, uh, I found that I've actually been incredibly productive with, it, and I'm able to actually kind of cram in a lot of work to us, a, a smaller period of time, yeah. um, which is a great thing because I just be more productive. I think if you know how to channel ADHD, the other thing, um, and there's been two other challenges that I've kind of dealt with and, you know, we're all kind of living in a, an evolutionary life, uh. If you learn anything from Malcolm X, which is one of my heroes, and I loved reading his biography back when I was in college, it was how he evolved over his entire lifetime and continued to grow. Um, I have been a drinker since I was probably 15 or 16 years old. And uh, I you know, probably did it as a means first to, to be like every kid does, just to be cool. Um, and it ultimately kind of grew into a problem for me. And uh, it didn't help that I also owned a bar because we opened a bar in the lobby of Elasticity, and so it was pretty easy access for me to get a, get a hold of some booze. Uh, and so it'll be four years this November I actually quit drinking, um, which you know was a really good thing for me, but also my family, my business partners, um, anyone that uh, knows me, I think uh, uh, thinks it's a good idea that I quit drinking. Um, and then you know once you drinking and your mind has an opportunity to gain clarity, you start thinking about, well, why was I doing this? You know, what was really the driver behind it? And, uh, ultimately I got diagnosed with, uh, anxiety issues. And, um, these anxiety issues for me, um, had been unbeknownst to me, creating a lot of problems, um, for me on a number of different levels. But, uh, I would sometimes go through these, these spurts of anger and, um, uh when I was simply just questioned about maybe our work or something like that. And uh and ultimately we got, you know, we first thought it was depression, then it it learned to realize it was um anxiety. But uh I've been taking anxiety medications for about um about two years now. And it's been a a remarkable game changer for me because it's just it's helped me really kind of step back and just be a better professional. Um, be a better human being, be more um, analytical, um, uh, and just be more calm. But, you know, we all we all have uh, challenges we deal with, and some people are ready to address them, some people aren't. And um, yeah. But, uh, it, you know, addressing all three of those issues have been, you know, the, the road to success is always under construction. And uh, I'm sure there's other changes that I will make uh, uh, until my dang days, and I'm going to hopefully be able to continue to do that.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's so cool about that, Aaron. And this is why, and I like truly from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you sharing that was, you know, I sat down with you at breakfast. I don't know, whatever it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you didn't know me from Adam. Um, you took time out of your day to meet me for breakfast. Cause it's all I did was ask you to meet for breakfast on LinkedIn. Um, so one, you took time out of your day to sit down with me, which, you know, you didn't have to do that. So I appreciate that. And two, then you opened up and shared this about you. And when I reflect on that conversation, um, I deal with two out of the three of those. I, I was diagnosed with ADHD in sixth grade um, to start taking Ritalin uh, at sixth grade. I was you know, the class clown. I was the guy getting in trouble. I was the guy whose parents were getting called weekly about, you know, Brian wouldn't stop talking or Brian was doing this or Brian was doing that. Um, and I'm sure my dad's laughing right now as he's listening to this episode. But, um, you know, my parents took me and I, I started taking Ritalin at sixth grade. Then I moved into Adderall. And took that really all through high school. And then it really wasn't until college that I kind of started to figure out how to really kind of try to manage the ADHD. Um, now to this day I don't take medication for, it, but there's no doubt I still have it. I'm also I've but I've learned how to manage the the illness or disease or whatever you want to call it and and funnel that energy into appropriate ways, right? Just kind of like you we were talking about. And then the other thing that I absolutely uh, um, struggle with is anxiety. And I, my wife would tell you that. Um, I'm also in anxiety medicine. And I think, you know, I think it's good for people to talk about that. And it's good for people to recognize that and have kind of open conversation about it because. Um, it affects more of us than probably we want to know. And I think some people are scared to admit it. And some people are scared to take a medication for it to help with it. But I don't think I could function without taking medication because it almost for me, you know, my mom died in 2011. And that's when I really started to realize I had and I started having these like almost shortness of breaths, panic attacks, feeling like I had to get tasks completed immediately. Or it was like my world was ending. Right. And so, um, I just really appreciate you sharing that today and, and, you know, and opening up about that. Cause I think the more we can talk about that as a community, the better it is for everyone involved.
0: Yeah. You know, Brian, I, I really agree with you in that. Um, (laughs) my wife and I have this joke is that the, uh, you know, the people that we really fear the most are the people that tell you how normal they are. (laughs) (laughs) All of us are broken in some way or have some kind of challenges we're dealing with. And so, um, you know, it's okay. It it is absolutely it's absolutely okay that that we might have a challenge or we might struggle, and we're we're imperfect in some way. Um, and uh, and you know, I think it all it's also it gives me pause to. Um, it, it makes me more thoughtful when you know I, we have someone say a, you know a young person working for us or anyone working for us, and maybe they're a little bit outlandish or a little bit silly or a little bit off color, whereas sometimes they would be immediately judged, you know. I've been there i've been the subject of that judgment before i know what it's like and it's 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 not easy and it's frustrating and you're like you know I'm, I'm trying to be me and i'm trying to just do the best i can and you get really frustrated and so i try to be thoughtful when um when someone might be a little bit different just the way i am because that's that's just okay
1: yeah absolutely absolutely well i appreciate you sharing that so let's shift gears here a little bit let's talk about leadership. Uh, We talked briefly in our breakfast about how uh, about your partners and kind of how your view on leadership is. And we've even touched at it already in this podcast about just the culture of the organization and how that was very important to you guys when you first got started and still extremely important to you guys today. Talk to me a little bit about how you and your partners lead your current organization. I found it kind of unique that you kind of all three equal in the organization and there isn't really a CEO and a CFO and a COO. You kind of have different roles and responsibility, but you're all kind of one.
0: Yeah, we we lead the company in, a, in an extremely democratic manner. Um, two of us are um, have a, a, a greater stake in the company than our third partner, but it, we've never run it that way. It's always been based on look. We're three partners. We're all committed to this. We're you know we 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 run it in a very democratic fashion. And if someone has an issue with with something we want to do, it usually doesn't go anywhere. It's, typically, there's one negative vote, but it's rare. Um, the three of us. You know we're one another's work spouses and um we have plenty of, of interpersonal challenges with one another as we all do with our wives husbands what partners what have you um but we tend to agree on the fundamental decisions around running the business um and then if you take that to a deeper level we've always run the, the company on a very democratic way um one of the things I have not liked at, at other places that I've worked has been kind of a hierarchical structure that was largely put in, in place in the industrial age, um, where you have you know someone sitting at the top and it's you know shit flows downhill, and um, we have one of the tenets of our company from day one has always been that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how much experience you have, we're looking for good ideas, you know whether you're. You know, fresh out of college, whether you're male, female, or somewhere in between, uh, whether you're black, white, what have you, it doesn't matter. You know, we want good ideas and we want you to be able to feel like you can share those ideas. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to use them. Um, but, you know, uh, one idea can be something that can also be built on. doesn't mean that's where it begins and ends. So we've always kind of run the company like that, you know, that no matter what you're perceived status might be, we want to hear what you have to say, and you have value. And I think that's part of the ingrained culture of the company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I enjoyed listening to that when you kind of were talking about it at, at breakfast. And so I definitely wanted to pull that out here today in, in this episode. But I'm also curious, kind of where did you learn that leadership style? Did it come from just working for organizations where you didn't like the style? Was that previously? Or was there books or mentors or somebody kind of guide you and coach you on that style?
0: A couple things. Um, I had worked at one company in particular where what we do is is the you know the antithesis of that, yeah. uh, where it was very hierarchical, and unless you had an SVP title and were a white male, that uh, nobody cared what you thought. Um, I found that frustrating. I found it insulting because there's a lot of smart people, no matter how old they are. Sure. Um, the other thing is I had a really really good mentor, a guy named Bill Johnson, um, who remains my mentor to this day. Uh, Bill is a longtime energy executive who was the CEO of a company that I worked for um, for about six and a half years, called Progress Energy, and ultimately became the CEO of um, of the Tennessee Valley Authority and then uh, Pacific Gas and Electric. Um, and uh, you know, Bill could have a conversation with you and cared about anything from the fine new finer nuances of uh utility regulations or he could talk about the grateful dead weightlifting and uh <laughs> you know penn state football cuz he played penn state football he played football for penn state um and he you know he was happy to engage you in a conversation a meaningful conversation no matter who you were and um it always struck me that here was this guy who you know when i worked for him i was kind of a mid-level manager and he didn't have to spend as much time with me he didn't have to take me out to dinner or vice versa but he did, and you know, but like we actually went to a professional wrestling match together once. We just thought it'd be funny and and silly, <laughs> and we both really liked wrestling when we were kids. And um, and and it's people who lead like that, who are interested in what everyone around them has to say, because everyone around us has value. Um, and I think when you start to lose sight of that, uh, is when you become a poor leader. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. I. I mean, the fact that you know, I'm always com- a component on this show, and in real in life, it just um, surround yourself with people who are smart with you. Um, and there's plenty of people here in St. Louis who will help mentor you if you just simply reach up, reach out, and ask them to mentor you. I have multiple mentors, obviously, um, but I think it's that's just that's just good advice in general. Um, from that perspective, I just think that's that's good. That's good advice.
0: I, you know, I would uh, agree with you in that. One of the great things since I've moved to St. Louis is has been in terms of just being able to get to people um, of certain stature. If people are willing to meet with you. Yeah. Um, one of the people that I meet that I really miss who was in public life before was um, our former mayor, uh, Francis Slay. Um, and that, uh, you know, Mayor Slay, I met him a couple times. And uh, anytime I'd see him after that, he always remembered my name. Um, he would always spend time speaking with me. And, um, you know, if I if I wanted to go meet with him in his office, he would make time for me. And, uh, you know, this is a mayor of one of the largest cities in, in the country. And yeah. um, I found that there's a lot of CEOs in town that were like that, that would actually meet with you and engage with you and respond to an email. And, uh, you know, the I, I've always appreciated that about the business community here, that uh, they'd at least be willing to take a call or engage with you in somehow.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, I've talked literally about this on on my show here is um, people in St. Louis generally want to help other people here in St. Louis. Um, now, I always preface that to people who are listening to this episode. Don't call up a CEO and try to sell them something because if that's what you're trying to do, they're going to see you right through that, right? But if you're generally trying to get you know, get to know them, um, ask for some advice on something, whatever, most people will take you up on that. Um, but it's it's more about networking here in St. Louis, building relationships than it is really selling somebody on something. So if you're just trying to sell somebody on something, they're going to see through that and they're not going to take your meeting. But if you're general, you know, if you're being um, genuine about kind of the, the goal is just to get to know that person and, and figure out how ways you can network together and get to know each other, just like I was with you, um, I think it goes a lot long, got a lot farther.
0: Although I will say, Brian, in all fairness, I think you know we have to tell everyone what an asshole I was when you when you <laughs> did first reach out to me. I was like, "Well, if you're trying to sell me something, you know, I'm probably not interested." You're like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to catch up and talk. I was like, "Oh, well, I feel like an asshole." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. As I said, you got to be you just got to be genuine about it, right? It's um, it's it's I've learned over the years. Who's I do a ton of networking as as we've discussed. Um, I genuinely just like to meet new people, right? People at the end of the day know what I do. And if they have if they have a need for what I do, they're going to reach out to me. I'm, I finally have gotten myself to a point in my career where I don't have to do a whole lot of reaching out. People reach out to me, which is nice. Now, I didn't start that way out back, you know, right out of college. I had to work to get that reputation. But um, it's, it's St. Louis is a cool place when it comes to really just straight networking.
0: Well, I'm, I'm very proud to have raised my kids here. This is what my kids know as home and what they will always consider their home and we're always going to have a place to live here so uh i'm with you
1: yeah absolutely you know aaron i always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice so that could be on business that could be on personal life it could be on really anything you want to share but if you could leave us with one piece of advice today what would
0: it be you know i've been thinking about this for a couple days brian and uh sometimes i'd want to say something asinine and silly and um I, I would say this from a leadership standpoint. It can be intimidating, but I think it's important to always surround ourselves with people who are smarter than we are, who excel in things that we don't excel in, that do things better than we do. Um, I am. I will never be the smartest guy in a room. Um, you know, I'm just a creative that um, that is hungry to do fun, exciting different creative work. Um, and there are so many people around me at every turn from clients to people that I work uh, with on the elasticity team to people that I know that are smarter, more talented than me. And uh, and I love that. I take pride in it and I learn from it every day. And I would say um, if there was one piece of advice, it's to surround yourself from people that you can learn with from rather um, every day because you will be ultimately better for it.
1: Absolutely. No, I think that's fantastic advice. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. So on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders Podcast, I appreciate you sharing kind of your story, your background, your history with us here uh, in St. Louis. And we appreciate you being a great STL leader.
0: Brian, it's my privilege. Thank you very much.